I'm here with Michael Baldino, a man who has been in the business of cutting hair since 2005 and as of three years ago has been the proud owner of Boston's very own 333 Hair Salon and Barbershop. And we're here to talk about his business and the art of haircutting in general. How are you doing, Michael? Doing very well. Thank you for having me. All right. So you, I, as I understand, started working at a Floyd's Barbershop. How did you transition to that from um, your previous job and what made you want to get started working with hair in general? Um, I graduated from college in 2000 with a bachelor's degree in English from UMass in Worcester, and uh, it was right around the time that the dot-com bubble burst, which is I was graduating, and that right. was really terrible, especially with a liberal arts degree. There was not a whole lot I could do with it. I wrote grants for nonprofits. I worked uh, for various publishing companies doing copy editing and proofreading and project management. I did a lot of freelance writing for a lot of publications that are now defunct. I was an office manager at Emerson College for three years. I could have gotten a master's while I was working at Emerson, but I was writing contracts for these people with master's and PhDs. Everything's a business. It's colleges. There's a lot of educated people here. So uh, these people with PhDs were making $30,000 or less to teach classes that may or may not run. So I figured I didn't know. I had no particular direction. Um, I just figured that what hair, I always like to make over shows when I used to skip high school. And you go home and watch like the daytime TV, and you're like, oh, you know, turn my punk rock daughter into the girl next door, that kind of thing. So I was just intrigued at how simple something like hair and makeup could be. And it seemed like it's recession proof. You see the results of what you do right away. Uh, you don't take anything home with you. you can, it's cash in your pocket. It's never gonna be outsourced to a call center or some AI robot. And it just seemed like even, I didn't know anything at all about hairdressing, but I thought that it would be better than what lay in front of me with my master's, uh, with my liberal arts degree. So I quit everything when I was 26 and uh, I went to a went to Medford Vocational High School. So I was 26 years old with a degree and it was back, I was meeting a bunch of 15 year old girls for a solid school year, September to May, eight in the morning till two in the afternoon. And uh, so it was a $3,000 degree and uh, I've parlayed that into, it's, it's very glad to have a trade in my hands at this point. That's really impressive, yeah. Making that leap, I'm sure a lot of people have these sort of ideas where they wanna just go off and do something and then, but actually making that switch is very impressive. You know, it wasn't, it, it was scarier to me looking at the reality of my situation, um, the, just being an office chair. And I was taking home like less than $330 a week from wow. Emerson for three years. I was sitting there 40 hours a week. I just reached the end of the internet. I'm sure you guys have all had co-ops and all these things that are like really unfulfilling. Um, I used to stuff course catalogs and I remember I'd, I'd just so absentmindedly, I'd stuff this course catalog and I, I got home a few days later and I had you know mailed a course catalog to myself because it just goes out to the whole school I was like this is how not engaged I am with what I'm doing like I just had to make a change um, so yeah the, the, again yeah the reality was scarier than than making the leap yeah and you mentioned you really didn't have many ideas about haircutting and I certainly feel the same way I mean I feel like a lot of people who obviously everyone's getting their haircut but no one really knows about what goes into like making a salon and a haircut stylist like there's differences between barbers and stylists but um what are some of the misconceptions you feel like people have when they're getting their hair cut? Oh, um, probably the, the, the big thing is uh, people will have an idea and not really know how to conceptualize. So people will spend forever in trying to bring you pictures and they'll, they'll spend forever trying to Google something or pull up an image on their phone. I've got guys that'll sit there for five minutes scrolling through things. And at the end of the day, it's like a picture of Ryan Gosling from 20 feet away. And all they're trying to say is like, well, I part my hair in the right. It's like, cool, man, thanks. It's like, this doesn't tell me. What I want to see, especially from like a men's haircut, would be like the sides, the back, these kind of things. A lot of people are like, oh, this is, they'll pull out their student ID or their driver's license photo. It doesn't, 
really say anything. People will take a picture of when they felt good about themselves, but that's just like, oh, my face looks good in this. It's not really the hair itself. Um, women's hair is a whole different ball game. Um, the, the number one thing I would say to people is just use good products. It's mostly shampoo, it's like Pantene, Suave, Herbal Essences, all these things. The beauty industry sells things that are just loaded with alcohol and sulfates and it destroys one's hair. And they do that so that they can sell more things for one to put back into it to make it as if one left it alone in the first place. So just using salon quality stuff for things that are specifically, you have some curly hair, I'm sure your, the humidity, the rain, I'm sure your hair gets like big and braiding out of control. It's, I would imagine. Oh, for sure, yeah. I would imagine like you shampoo your hair too often with stuff that's not really good. I've, I've cut down to about, I'd say, two or three times a week. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, less is more in, in a lot of things. Yeah, that's, yeah. And that's interesting that, you know, really it is a lot about what you put in your hair after it's done. Because I feel like certainly I've gotten a haircut and then I walk out there, I'm like, oh, this looks great. And then after a shower, I just come out and it's like, oh, this right. is completely different. Yes. And I, I personally like to c- cut hair dry, especially hair like your texture, just because I can see what it's doing. When hair is wet, especially if it's curly, um, then it just tells a different story. And I'm sure you've gotten haircuts where it might look great in a chair. If, if it looks good in the salon and it doesn't look good at home, then it's a bad haircut. You Interesting. Should, you should be able to do, men, women, anybody, it should be as little time as possible. It shouldn't take you more than 10, 30 seconds to style it. If you can't do that by yourself, then it's a bad haircut. What separates uh, someone like a good hair salon from a bad one anyway? Because obviously there's these different price ranges, but what are you getting when you pay more? Uh, not a whole lot of anything. Um, we are fond of saying in the business, fake it till you make it. I worked in a dozen different places before I sort of stumbled upon my niche, um, which is doing high volume, low price point haircuts. When I was in high school and college, I worked at Walmart and I just saw that, you know, they had these lost leaders that would bring, you know, Walmart's obviously very successful with what they do. Um, it was just like Toyota owns Lexus. You sell more and people, the stylist will make more money and people will be happier. I feel like clients would rather pay $25 as opposed to 80 and they'll come in more frequently and the more frequently they come in, they can maintain that look. There's really no benefit to going to Newbury Street and paying some overinflated price. Beauty school doesn't teach anybody anything. Uh, the textbook was written literally in the 1930s. Nothing has changed. I spent a thousand hours in beauty school doing roller sets on mannequin heads. All these like very 1930s, 1940s styles, finger waves, pin curls, like all this real old timey stuff. Nothing that like what is actually practiced. As with a lot of schools spend a lot of time going through the motions so you can take a state board exam so that the state can get paid and people come out and they don't know anything about anything. So people will go to Newbury Street and they'll apprentice and they'll work for $7 an hour uh, washing out color bowls, folding towels, doing this kind of thing and like assisting, observing. They don't really learn anything. They'll be your junior stylist. So if you go to a fancy schmancy place and you're paying a lower price point, you're paying less money for somebody probably fresh out of school with no experience to kind of fake it until they make it on your head. We, uh, the people that work, we've all worked in all these various, I've got people that have been working over two decades in Shag, you know, all the, all the reputable places, but we all make more money doing $25 haircuts. And that's, that's consistent. Um, I've been in this since 2005, you know, when the economy dropped out in 2008, a lot of those fancy places shut her down, but regardless of the economic situation people still need to get haircuts and that's where i'm just trying to stay consistent okay yeah that's very interesting um 
And there does seem to be some price disparities between like men's and women's haircuts. Is there a reason behind that? Is it just due to like men's fashion and women's fashion being no, different spots? No, there really spots? isn't. And uh, I don't know about the rest of the country, but in Massachusetts, it's illegal to differentiate between men's and women's pricing. So our prices, oh. it's $25 for a wash and cut at 333. Men, women, does not matter. Um, more specialty services, if your hair is you know, crazy thick and super long, that's there if you want a skin fade, like something that takes a different level, but just a regular haircut should be should be affordable and should be something that should be maintained right away. I'd rather have that. Right. And we mentioned Massachusetts law specifically, and I know it's the law in Massachusetts, Massachusetts, if I'm not wrong, that you have to have a cosmetology license. Is that true in other states or is this sort of a specific Massachusetts thing? And what are your thoughts on that law? Um, it does vary by state. And so Massachusetts is funky. Uh, it's a thousand hours for I have a cosmetology license. Um, we have 17 shares of 333 and uh, 14 out of 17 are stylists. The other three are barbers or are dual licensed. So it's a thousand dollars for barbering or cosmetology. The difference is barbers do uh, face shaves. They do things with a straight razor blade. They do very, very tight, very short, traditional kind of things. Um, I like to make an analogy. It's like the difference between a baker and a chef. A chef would be like stylists are more freeform. They're going to make things up. Barbers or a baker, they have to be very systematic because there's not a lot of room for error. They have to follow that recipe. There's not a lot of wiggle room. So barbers would be more traditionalists. If it was a musical analogy, it'd be like a classical musician versus a rock or a jazz musician. But we have it all. And so what I like about my shop is uh, a lot of places that people work in this industry, if it's all barbers, if it's all stylists doing blonde highlights, then that gets very catty and competitive we're so diverse and so broad that nobody is competing with one another. We can all piggyback on each other and learn from each other. Yeah, you, you certainly do have a diverse base in Within 3.3, and it's not just hair cutting. I know you actually have an in-house art installation, if I'm not wrong. Uh, yeah, we did have a, a that catered to the graffiti street art community, um, Avenue of Arts. That won uh, Best of Boston in 2017 for Best Public uh, Works Project. We currently have some fashion designers in there, Cosmic Unicorns. It's like a rave EDM kind of clothing. They, it's it's not my scene particularly, but I love the, the this crazy day glow clothing they sell literally to Paris Hilton and people like this. They just went on all 50 dates of the Vans Warped Tour doing just different kind of merch. Um, when I started the shop, I really wanted the idea of like salons back in Paris a hundred years ago where you have artists and writers and painters and everybody would come together and like exchange ideas and I feel like that's really missing in Boston you've got all these music theater all these different schools and just different folks around like what an epicenter of Harvard Medical School and Symphony Hall and everything right around us and I wanted a place where people could just come by in that traditional neighborhood salon barbershop kind of vibe everybody's just part of the neighborhood we can network and I wanted a place where people could come in you get a haircut, you could get a cool hoodie or a t-shirt, you get something cool to put on your walls. It should be a head-to-toe kind of lifestyle thing. That's kind of what I'm going for. That's very interesting. So like a sort of art, not like a, a meeting place, really, yeah, for absolutely. all sorts of people, not just artists, but you know, barbers and everyone who wants to come in. Anything. Yeah. yeah. We've, we network all the time, especially with co-ops, and I meet so many people that we have in our chair every day. Like, on a good day, we'll have 150 people in the shop, and we can all just network with each other. People are looking for jobs, people are looking for this and that, and we can just make a ton of connections that way. And I feel that's kind of missing in the city. Yeah, and I feel like there's, you know, there's overlap between fashion or haircuts and all that, and there's a 
yeah. definitely a connection that might not be fully utilized. Right. So, I mean, I have a big, it's a 2,200 square foot space, and not every chair is filled. So, I did have space. I could probably put two more chairs in there, but I'm just setting that aside, and we'll have just various pop-up shops at all times, um, whatever it is. And we have events and all kinds of different things. I'm just trying to put people on because I feel like it's, it's so difficult to get commercial space or anything. Or if you go to Sowall Markets or some flea market, it could be hundreds of dollars to get a table. And here's a spot where we're just giving it up. Right. I feel like that word of mouth is going to help us all. So I want to go back a little bit. You said um, you were talking about, you know, getting those licenses and how it's basically these just outdated techniques that no one's really using anymore. Has the haircut industry changed at all from when you started working? Are there any differences? Because I feel like when I go into a barbershop, it's usually the same materials, the same tools. That Nothing's really changed for potentially even hundreds of years. Yeah, I mean, there are always... I just got into some wireless clippers. Um, you know, there have been certain techniques, but no. I mean, haircutting is cut. It's you take a razor blade, you take a sharp object, and you slice it. It's it's the same deal since probably primitive times. And there are just little techniques one can use. But uh, what's been very helpful for us uh, that I really try and push is the online booking because for people on behind the chair, you never know. You could sit around all day waiting for people to come in. At least this way, you can get a sense of one's day and see how busy you're going to be. And I feel like it's that much more convenient for the client to just go on, pick who they want, pick the service they want. But we have so many people that are just used to the traditional model, and they'll just walk in and not say anything to anybody and sit in the waiting room and just like be wait, waiting to be called next. And I just really want to streamline that process as much as possible. Yeah, I feel like that helps you get an idea of you know how many people are coming into the shop in the first place. It's exactly. Kind of can figure out your general flow for a day. Um, right. Have people been asking for, like, different haircuts then, at least? Are they looking for different stuff in recent years? Because, obviously, tastes change very quickly. Yes. Uh, yep. And it's it's funny to watch these things, too, especially in a neighborhood like this where you have such an international presence and where things might be cool in Boston or New York or L.A., then it takes years for them to get to Idaho. Or, you know, we get kids that come in from India and they want, like, some Backstreet Boys circa 1999 haircut. Like, can you frost my tips? It's like, well, we could, but let's not do that. I know that might be cool, but not not now in Boston in 2018. But it's everything is so diverse and so all over the place, and that really makes it a lot of fun because you don't do the same thing all day. And learning those different techniques just enhances one's skills all around. Yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. Where does that <coughs> line lie, anyway? Because I know there's people want a certain thing, but in reality, you know, as someone who has more experience with hair than they do, that that doesn't actually look that good. Where does that line fall between personal preference and fashion? Uh, I mean, the, the, the big thing that's really difficult right now is everybody wants these uh, fashion colors. Everybody wants to look like they're on Game of Thrones, or they want their hair to be silver or pastel or this kind of crazy thing, and, and they'll look on Instagram and they'll bring these pictures, and people don't realize that that has been hours and hours and hours and a thousand dollars and it's like lighting and a whole deal and it just doesn't happen like that people think they can just walk in and have they go to cvs and put black box iron hair and they think they can walk into the shop and be platinum blonde in three hours for a hundred bucks it just doesn't work that way so we really try and make things as realistic as possible for people um hair grows i, I my favorite to cut is Asian hair, and it's the most difficult to cut because it just grows in a very specific way. It'll, and a lot of guys will come in and they'll see these uh, side part kind of things, or there'll be a, you know, Peaky Blinders, all these different shows, or these traditional kind of cuts that are slicked back. Uh, 
I get these clients, they want their hair to look like a certain way and their hair just physically does not grow like that. So I just really try and work with them and explain like, this is realistically what your hair is going to do. We can get you close to it. But again, as I said earlier, if you can't do it in 10 seconds at home, it's a bad haircut. Right. What, what are some of the, um, cause you've been doing this for many years. What are, are there any particular people who came in and asked for a haircut that stood out to you? Or do you have any good stories of, uh, barbering adventures, hairstylist adventures? Uh, those are always tough on the spot. Um, well, none of this is live, so we can cut out any, <laughs> if you want to wait for a second. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I, nothing, nothing super in particular. Um, I personally tend to shy away from the really over the top kind of styles and hire people that are way into that. The only way for, I, I'm sitting here wearing a, a jacket and a tie right now, and I dress like a, a business guy every day because it's the only way that I can stand out in my shop because we have people with literal face and neck and hand tattoos. And those people that want to do the funky stuff, they'll find their audience. And we have crazy, crazy things that, you know, I, I not my style that go on in the shop, but my differentiator is being like a very middle of the road. I can do anything for anybody and just make that person look good. I don't really try and go kind of wacky with it. Yeah, that's interesting that for you to stand out in this space, you're actually going on a very sort of normal, straighter route. Right. Yeah. Because um, I get all these co-ops. I get people that work in finance, and they, they wish they could show off their tattoos, or they wish they could have hair. I don't have any piercings, tattoos, hair color, or anything like that. And it, it literally is the only way for me to stand out in my own shop. Yeah. Do you, yeah, it's interesting that um, the industries that people like with tattoos can work in, I guess you've been more applicable or more amiable to hiring people with tattoos. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I know within the industry, it is very difficult. Um, a lot of places will make people just wear all black or have some sort of uniform or cover their tattoos or piercings. Everybody that works at 333, they're W-2s. They're employees. We take care of absolutely everything. Um, I really try and put the barbers and the stylists and the colors and put the people that work there first. Everybody's like, oh, the customer is always right. The customer is number one. Really, to me, the people that do the work are number one because the happier they are, the happier they are in turn are going to make their clientele, and we all win that way. So I just give let give everybody the opportunity to. They all have keys. They can come and go. They can make their own hours. They can set their own prices. They're really doing their thing under the shop's larger umbrella, and tattoos and all. It's it's not things that I personally would go for or agree with, but hey, I mean, people are making a living and they're making other people happy. More power to them. All right. Well, just the last question. If I was to go into a haircut salon right now and I wanted, I saw a specific haircut, like I said, on a phone, it's a mm-hmm. photo of Ryan Gosling from 20 feet away. How do I, what should I go about to actually get that haircut? What is the sort of process that would be best for me and make things easier for you? Um, kind of be honest about your daily routine. If you're going to, on a daily basis, put stuff in your hair and put product in your hair and try and achieve that look. Um, think about how much maintenance you're willing to put in and try and find pictures of things of really the sides and the back and things like that these are more of say the frame to the to the painting that's going to enhance everything people think oh the top is really something but it's going to be the sides and back and these other things that really make everything pop so it's the more the minutiae and the details that people don't really think about so try and get uh pictures from all angles or Yeah, I think that's a good that's a good place to start. Okay, well, I think that's all the time we have for today. So, yeah. thanks for having thanks for coming over. Um, and I probably will be in your shop in the next few days. I need a haircut myself. Cool, so. man. Looking forward to seeing you. All right, you. thank you very much. Thank you.